Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Health Shift. This is my podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. I'm here to help people make a shift. And please note that these discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So today, I would like to welcome Jen Lado. Jen Lado is a speech language pathologist and works at a rehab center in the long-term acute care hospital outside of Boston. She co-founded Mindful Ed, lecturing continuing education courses to over 15,000 clinicians on the evidence-based benefits of mindfulness meditation on the mind, body, and brain. Boy, this brings me back to the days when I did the Benson Henry program uh, back in the 90s. Jennifer is also co-author of Mindful Healthcare, 20 Brief Exercises to Get in the Zone with Your Patients. Wow, love it. (laughs) She is currently working towards her doctorate at Northeastern University in organizational leadership with a research focus on burnout in healthcare. Wow, we're going to have to have Jen back for probably multiple sessions to talk about all of these different arenas. Jen is also a certified brain health coach and is passionate about holistic health. She and her husband are the proud parents of the only five-year-old that loves kale. (laughs) So welcome, Jen. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us your story and how you got to where you are today, knowing that this is your path. Yeah. So um, in terms of being a speech pathologist, I actually... Uh, started out my whole life wanting to be a teacher. And um, I got to high school and I was able to do this program where you could shadow in a kindergarten classroom. Well, when I got in there, I said, oh no, this is not going (laughs) to work for me. (laughs) Um, So I wound up following this little boy, and I still remember his name, Stephen, down to speech. And I, I thought it was so cool being able to connect with a child one-on-one in, in a more quiet environment um, where you had specific goals you were working on. So that really um, set me on the path to be a speech pathologist. Um, then when I started working, uh, you know, I really developed a passion um, to kind of go forth in a leadership path. Um, and that set me out to, uh, get another master's degree in leadership. And that started me on the path of being a director for a rehab department. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years now. And then really the holistic part kind of came into play during that time. Um, I got trained in Reiki and I, at the time I was working as the rehab director in a nursing home and I had set up a holistic program in the nursing home where patients would come down for meditation sessions. I would do individual Reiki treatments. Um, And then that kind of developed into this, hey, I could use meditation in practice. And so my colleague, uh, Brenda Levette and I uh, put together several courses, which um, are online for speech pathologists on speechpathology.com and Northern Speech Services. Um, So you can take a course and learn how to utilize uh, these practices in speech pathology to address voice, to address um, cognition, and we break it down in every area. So I've really just been kind of following these little breadcrumbs and anything that kind of strikes my interest, I, I start to learn more and it's 
created a nice little, little path for me. And now I'm kind of circling back to that idea of being a teacher. And it's really turned out to be one of my strengths, although it's not something that, you know, I, I am not a teacher, but I, you know, was able to utilize teaching in, in my profession in a different way. So it's cool to be able to circle back to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, I did my Reiki one and two training years ago as well. And it's just so interesting and and helpful to be able to teach people some of these techniques that they can use for themselves. I love the idea that you've worked in uh, that you've also worked it out in a nursing home. I did um, nursing home consulting years ago. And I used to bring my daughter, Lindsay, who at that time was just like probably three, four, five years old. And then we would also sometimes bring Chrissy, the dog. She was my Bichon and the hamster. So this is before the, this was before the time that you couldn't bring animals into the nursing home. I got to tell you, they loved all three of them. So it was just, it was just a nice way to kind of brighten up their day. So tell me about any obstacles that have gotten in the way as you've been following these breadcrumbs, because I feel like that's very similar to my path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think really just, well, for starters, I, when I got to high school, I really just, it became obvious that I was having some learning challenges and difficulties. And so um, that was huge for me. I really had trouble reading and I was just a lot slower and picking things up. Um, And they couldn't really figure out what exactly it was, but my mom would say to me, you know, she called it a glitch. She said, whatever glitch you have, I have it too. And you're just going to have to work harder than everybody else. Um, And that really kind of stuck with me in in a good way, in a bad way, because then, you know, when I would when I would get to something that was challenging, it would be like, oh, of course, this is challenging because I have to work hard at all these things. Um, But, you know, when I got to college and I could really organize my learning in my own way, I was thriving there. And so it was, it took me a while to understand that um, some of these things that were challenges uh, were actually just me figuring out where my strengths were and how to best utilize them. And once I kind of overcame that, it, it, it really just, everything took off. Wow. Oh my God, Jim, that is so interesting because I've had very similar circumstances and you know, my parents weren't as um, understanding back in those days. And they would kind of like stand over my head and go, what's the matter with you? Are you stupid? Um, but what was interesting, and, and of course, I certainly forgive them. They, they were frustrated and wanted to help me in the best way possible. But my two girls at the very same age in the second grade showed with these very, very same learning challenges. And I don't call them learning disabilities because it's not really a disability. It's just a different style and yeah. probably not the most common style, but like you, it takes me a lot longer to pick up information and it's taken a long time to feel okay about that. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm very passionate about supporting people because our learning styles and challenges that we might have can so affect our self-esteem. And right now it's really critical to support everybody's individuality and make them feel like they can shine no matter what they do. So that's amazing. So I am going to have to definitely have you back, but I would love to pivot and discuss the journey about you and your family that you've taken with your daughter, who was diagnosed with severe allergies, got immune issues as a baby, 
And um, I know that you and I have started our work back in 2018, and I've been able to watch Grayson just grow and loved that video that you sent me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I put it up on Facebook. I put it up on Instagram. It was so empowering to see that little kids can really kind of learn to like, you know, my concoctions, put it that way, but really, really take this information in. So tell me about your, ch your challenges and journey as a mom who is not also an ordinary mom, but one who really understands the complexity of health challenges. Yeah. So this was a doozy. Um, so she was born in May of 2016 and right away, we knew something was off. I mean, by probably about two months old, she was having these bouts of eczema all over her body and um, sleep, her sleep was horrible. I mean, I remember my husband went, went away sometime in early July and my mom came to stay for a week. I don't think she could get out of there fast enough because, <laughs> I, you know, I vividly remember us sitting on the couch just tossing her back and forth between us. And we just could not get her to stop crying. And it was Ugh. you know three or four in the morning. And sure, that's common for, for newborns, but she just was, you could tell she was uncomfortable and miserable and we couldn't figure out what it was. So um, the PCP that we were going to for her, you know, just kind of yeah, this is, it's, it's eczema. What are you going to do? You know, maybe we can, you can see a dermatologist and um, maybe you should, the NP said, oh, well, maybe eliminating dairy and soy because I was breastfeeding um, out of my diet that might help. So I took away the dairy and the soy. We went to see the dermatologist, of course, well-intended dermatologist just wants to slap some, you know, steroid cream on it and make it go away. Mm -hmm. But we all know that's not going to get to the root cause of anything. Um, so let's see. Then we, you know, her symptoms actually just continued to get worse. Um, we started seeing bloating. I mean, her belly was huge, just so distended. And she started vomiting. She started gagging. Um, and at one point, um, she was probably about six or eight months at this point, we, um, had some friends over for brunch and I had made pancakes and we cut up a little bit of pancake for her. I put her down for a nap later in the day. And when I, uh, when she woke up, I went into her room and her face was completely swollen. Her eyes were in fact swollen shut. And, uh, so that landed us in the emergency room and the, uh, you know, we waited, the physician finally comes into the room and I'm explaining to him what's going on. Oh, she's bloating. She's vomiting this. We've got eczema. Um, and he was like, well, you know, this can be a million different things. And I I'm just continuing to explain to him how many specialists we've seen and what we've done so far, by the way, we had seen a GI specialist too, who, just, you know, yeah, take away the dairy and the soy, put her on formula. Um, and he just looked at me and he said, it shouldn't be this hard. And, you know, I, it, it, he was exactly right. And although he couldn't offer us any help, sure, I, it completely changed my perspective. And I, so I got home and I said, you know, this is it. We're overhauling the whole team. We got to start from scratch. Nobody is helping. 
let's let's rethink this. So I got a new uh, pediatrician mm-hmm. and um, shout out to MV Pediatrics uh, in Quincy, Mass, because they were phenomenal. So we had both the male and the female, uh, Dr. Davis. And uh, we started with the male Dr. Davis, and he was able to, as soon as he saw her, he goes, I think she has eosinophilic esophagitis. She really needs an endoscopy. Um, and so we go to Dr. Israel. Uh, we got a new GI at um, Mass, General, Mass General Brigham. And we get into her office. And I remember, you know, I waited for, she was probably an hour, you know, late, running late, but she pokes her head in and she goes, I know I'm running so late. She's like, this family in front of you just has so many questions and I want to make sure I answer all of them. And she goes, I promise I will do the same thing when I get in to see you. Wow. And she she did. Right. And it's like, you have no problems waiting for somebody who can be that genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we get in to see her and she's saying, oh, she's failing to thrive. We're really having trouble. We're like, she's even throwing out, putting an NG tube in. I mean, this is, this is getting scary, right? Sure. Um, so she, we schedule the endoscopy and um, sure enough, she does have eosinophilic esophagitis. So, you know, using this different team and getting just a more comprehensive approach and people that were willing to just listen um, to what was going on and really think outside the box, we were able to, you know, at least get the proper diagnosis. So that was first things first. And then um, in enters Dr. Ann Wong Dolman. So she was the <laughs> a bright and shining star. <laughs> a bright and shining star, right. Um, so eosinophilic esophagitis, we know it's related to allergies. They're not sure quite how yet. And sometimes kids with EOE don't present with um, positive allergy testing, and sometimes they do. Um, so it's very tricky. Often, Oftentimes, uh, the gold standard would be to eliminate the top allergens which they know are related to EOE and then um, slowly add them back. But you'd have to repeat the endoscopy every time you add back food. And I Mm. knew I wasn't willing to do that. I mean, a a little baby shouldn't be put under this many times. Right. So Dr. Ian did the allergy testing and man, this kid was like you said, allergic to everything. I think when we were trying to resolve the EOE, she was on a diet of black beans, bananas, pears, and blueberries, and yep. Elicare. <laughs> <laughs> I that remember. Was that was it. It was, it was truly unbelievable. Um, so, and I had picked the Elicare because, you know, Dr. Ann was like, Jen, you got to do it. You got to pull the trigger on the formula, right? I mean, that's the last thing any mom wants to do, especially if you're into this space, right? Sure. Um, so I picked Elicare, you know, there's very few elemental formulas as an option, but I picked Elicare because I believe it's made in the UK and they can't use GMOs. So at least I felt like, all right, if I have to use something processed, that's probably our best bet. And then in looking at the junior formulas, the flavored ones, of course, they tasted delicious and I, there was vanilla and chocolate and they given us samples. So we brought them home. I'm tasting. I'm like, oh, this is good. She'll drink this. And then I look on the back and it's got sucralose in it. Mm. Um, oh, 
Oh my goodness. And I'm like, okay, why are we giving this to two-year-olds? This is so sad, right? There's a million other things you could do to, to make it sweeter, right? Um, so I don't know. It, I, so I went with the unflavored and we just to do the best I can at getting rid of some of these chemicals. And we just added maple syrup in it mm-hmm. um, to, to make it more palatable. And she did fine. She drank that. We had our black beans for lunch every day. And um, so over the course of three months, uh, we repeated the endoscopy. EOE was gone, which was beautiful. And in the meantime, um, you know, we had also added on a uh, integrative uh, medicine specialist, um, an integrative dermatologist, uh, Dr. Trailer. She was awesome. So um, ta- in talking about the uh, the skin issues, she, you know, of course you want to, in this holistic space, we're like, okay, no chemicals, you, but every cream's got lavender and coconut oil and mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the mm-hmm. right thing initially until you realize poor kid's allergic to everything we put on her. So she had recommended cream and recommended, you know, having something with ceramide to try and rebuild the skin barrier, which I'm telling you that definitely made a difference. Um, She also taught us about, okay, you know, having her learn to tap um, on her skin instead of scratching it. Um, all these little things, little acupressure points that helped with itching. So it was just really a different experience than the first dermatologist we saw who just wanted to, you know, slather on the steroid cream. Um, And then uh, because of uh, Dr. Ann, our allergist, we ended up getting in touch with you in in 2018 um, as we started to add some foods back. So now every three months we are repeating the RAS testing, the blood allergy testing to see which foods we could maybe try to add back. And um, so Julie was instrumental here. And uh, also we identified that her vitamin D level was incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nine when we started. Um, so Julie had recommended a, uh, um, of vitamin D drops with K and we got her level up from nine to, I think it was like 70 um, over the course of a little bit. So it was really fascinating what you were able to do with her. Um, Let's see, so what else? Um, You know, along this course too, when we were working with an integrative um, specialist, we did a microbial organic acid test and we found super high levels of uh, yeast mm-hmm. and super high levels of something called HPHPA clostridia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that you had, I listened to Dr. Greenblatt's, your talk with Dr. Greenblatt. Yeah. And it, he was the only person I could find on the internet that talked about HPHPA clostridia. So I actually got his book. Um, finally focused because it was, he was the only person to talk about it. So I didn't know what it was or what it meant. Um, so I ended up reading that book and we used his uh, probiotic, the uh, multi-strand high-dose probiotic to try and address that because actually the, the practitioner wanted to use, if you remember, um, she wanted to use some sort of antibiotic to treat it. And right. we had decided, meh, I don't, we don't love that idea. 
Um, so we went ahead with the probiotic and I think, was it last year? Maybe we retested um, some of these things and I think the yeast was completely gone and there was no sign of the HPHBA clostridia um, when, when Julie uh, ordered these repeat tests. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. You know, um, it's, I was just talking with a client yesterday and I said, you know, it takes a special person to be able to accept and follow through with functional and integrative approaches. So I love functional medicine. I was traditionally trained as a registered dietitian. I still use that work in my, in my line of work, but it does really take people on the opposite end, your, your clients and your patients who are willing to explore all the different biological systems, but also be able to follow through with the treatment regimens because they're not easy. They, they really yeah. require a lot of steps. And I have to say that, you know, Grayson has done so well, but that's partly because of the work and the effort that you put into home cooking and trying these things and also recognizing that it's not an overnight, you know, not an overnight experience in terms of changing things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a slow go. I mean, we're talking four years now from start mm -hmm. to finish, and we still we still have a ways to go. Uh, her diet's still pretty limited. Um, all the major allergens are still present. I mean, we're, we've expanded to now she's able to eat a little bit of meat and you know most of mostly all vegetables. Um, and fruits, but there's still quite a few things. And, and yeah, we can't go out to a restaurant and order off a menu typically, or um, just pick something out of the store for her to eat. So it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of thinking ahead and it's really just become a way of life at this point. Um, but yeah, it, it's been an incredible journey. And I think um, my husband and I are probably healthier for it as well. Um, and on an interesting side note, last year, my husband also got diagnosed with eosinophilic esophagitis. Interesting. So, so it was all his fault. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but and luckily yeah, he's was, not here, right? I guess. No, no, no. no. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it was a really interesting finding. So there's definitely some genetic component to it. And um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think as we move forward, I do use genetic testing in my practice now when I'm going to be incorporating even more of it as, as we move forward. Um, because the genetics do provide at least a blueprint, you know, so you're not completely starting in the dark. You might say, oh, we got to start addressing the gut system or, we need to address the brain chemistry first, or you know, we look at where those priority areas are. Um, but this is this is absolutely fascinating. So I'm really curious about you work as a healthcare professional, and then you're also a mom with a child that has chronic complex illness. You know that is still navigating things really, really well, but still is not out of the woods. What what tips would you offer people in today's confusing healthcare world as a mom, but also as a professional? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all right. Let's let's go with as a mom first, right? Okay. Listening to your gut is huge. Um, mm. You and my mom told me this too. She's like, you're gonna know your kid better than anybody. Doesn't matter who they are. You know. You know what what is with your kid at all times. And if no one's going to listen to you, or if somebody can't listen to what you're saying, then that's not the right 
person for you to work with. And so it took me a little while to learn that. And sometimes too, it's just convenience. It's like, oh, well, this pediatrician's right down the street. I don't want to schlep all the way to, you know, Cambridge or Waltham or wherever we were going. Um, That's, you know, 45 to an hour out of the way. So there are just so many pieces of it, but you have to realize in the long run, it makes more sense to work with somebody that um, is collaborative and understands Mm -hmm. your point of view. Um, So that, that would be one thing. And then two, this is so super stressful. You really have to take care of yourself first too, because Mm -hmm. it, it just, it takes a lot out of you. And, um, there's just something different about the mom part of it too, where you just feel such an ownership for the whole thing. And, and also the outcome, because every, it feels like every decision that you make, uh, you know, what if I did the, what if I made the wrong choice? What if I didn't do, you know, what if we should have done this instead of this? Or, I mean, I even remember being on the couch when I was trying to eliminate all these foods out of my diet while I was breastfeeding. Um, and, and she would all of a sudden have a reaction and I'd be beating myself up like, oh, maybe it was this that I ate or that that I ate. But, you know, so you have to just give yourself leeway, but also, you know, take care of yourself and and give yourself the care that you need and the space that you need um, in order to think clearly and and just be at be at peace with what's happening. Um, Yeah. And so, so that's the mom, mom side of the piece, I think. Uh, and then in terms of just healthcare in general, I mean, this, the same rules <laughs> would still apply, right? You, you just need to be in sync with the person that you're working with. Um, and also conventional medicine for sure has its place and more so if you have um, something happen to you, if you break a bone, if you um, have an acute illness, yeah, you're going to, you're going to want conventional medicine to, to address that problem immediately. But if some of these more chronic conditions that slowly evolve over time, this is where you need that deep dive into the integrative aspect of things, because you can't just put a bandaid on it and expect the problem to be fixed. And I'm sure you've talked about this in many of these uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So again, you know, tip uh, really important is listen to your gut because there is, there is a divine wisdom that we all have, but a lot of times we've actually given that away to the professionals. We give it away yeah. to the doctors and this is um, you know, doctors are in a tough place because the way that the medical system has been set up is to put a doctor on a pedestal as if they know best. But actually, we know best and we need to be in partnership with our physicians. So there's a lot of change that's actually taking place there. And that whole other idea about collaboration. I think you and I have talked about this ad nauseum that you need to have a healthcare team who is willing to speak to one another and collaborate, even if you have differing viewpoints, because you learn something every time somebody might say, oh, you know what? I'm not sure if that's actually the, the best way to go. I, I love Valtralore. I refer to her frequently. She's also, you know, uh, one of our doctors for me and my family. 
Dr. Dolman, certainly met her uh, as a patient and then became a, you know, a colleague of hers and, and still refer and work with her as well. So um, this has been absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And I really do want to have you back on to talk about the work that you're doing, because again, this is something that has been near and dear to my heart since I started out as an RD. I quickly moved from being sort of the dietitian with in the basement with the hairnet <laughs> to being the person that actually coordinated with all the different departments so that we had sort of collaborative efforts for all of our patients. So that's gonna be definitely another one for sure. And I thank you so much for being here today, taking time and sharing your wisdom. How can people connect with you professionally? Yeah, so uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Lotto. Um, also, our company Mindful Ed has a LinkedIn page and a Facebook page and Instagram. Um, if you're a speech language pathologist, we have a group called the Holistic SLP Mastermind Group on Facebook. Um, we have over a thousand uh, participants in there where we discuss holistic ideas around um, speech pathology. Wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and again, thank you so much for being here today. So if you like this podcast, please rate, review and share with your friends, family and co-workers. I really am on a mission to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net, on Instagram at juliefreemanmindfulwellness and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. Until next time.